Well, what's up, Second Chance? Hope everybody's doing well today, whether you're in the room, whether you're on Facebook or the Second Chance website, or you're catching up on YouTube or podcast. However you're here, super glad you're here. And um, just want to go ahead and get a couple things out of the way. It was a great day in the Southeast for the most part yesterday, as far as football goes. Clemson won. Um, I've never actually met a Georgia Tech fan, so I don't even know if they have them, but Clemson won. South Carolina beat Vanderbilt. Um, Georgia beat Missouri. Uh, Tennessee, my friends at LifeSpring. Hey, listen, all Tennessee can say is that um, women's basketball is on the way. That's what you have to look forward to because you guys are going to be rebuilding right now. It looks until like Jesus comes back. But for the most part... Everybody's super happy. And let me kind of go ahead and say this. Next week, we're finishing up the Haters series, but we're going to do something we've never done at Second Chance. We're going to do Q&A as far uh, in regards to the series. So you're going to ask the questions that drive next week. Now, we're going to have a number that you can text. Um, we're going to put it up here next week, so you'll be able to text in your questions, whether you're at LifeSpring or whether you're, no matter where you're watching from. But if you want to go ahead and start us with some questions, you can send them to prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com. And if we get a question, um, and l listen, listen, the questions, don't ask me, are there were there dinosaurs? I don't know, never seen one, okay? The questions are going to be in relation to the hater series. So the first week we talked about um, self-hate. Then last week we talked about forgiveness and hating others. This week we're going to talk about being angry at God. And so... In, within those three categories, if you have questions in regards to those three things, that's what we're going to be answering next week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to know the questions that are going to be asked. They're just going to pop up on the screen magically. Um, actually, somebody's going to push a button. But we're going to have it, and that's what we're going to do next week. So you can be ready to ask some questions, or you can go ahead and email them in today. What I want to talk to, about today, though, is being angry at God or mad at God, or disappointed in God. Now, I know in church culture, we're never supposed to say that we're mad, angry, disappointed at God. We're always supposed to be happy about it. Um, but the, the reality is, some of us get that way. I was thinking about it um, in this regards. In college, when I was in college decades ago, right before dinosaurs, right after dinosaurs, um, I had two friends named Chris and Sammy. And we were inseparable. We always hung out. Looking back, the reason they hung out with me is I was big and um, defended them a lot. But we hung out just about every weekend. I would go home on the weekends and hang out with Chris and Sammy. And one weekend, we, uh, there was three of us, and we met three girls. And I was like, hey, like, you know, we kind of started talking. We all agreed to do something the next night. We're going to meet up the next night. It's a Friday night. We're going to meet up Saturday night. So Chris was like, hey, I'll come pick you up at 6 o'clock. And my car was in the shop because when I was in college, my car was always in the shop. So he said, I'll come pick you up at 6 o'clock. And I was like, man, that sounds you know, great or whatever. I called him at 5.30. Chris was one of the only people that I knew at the time that had a cell phone. And said, he said, yeah, man, I'm on the way. Well, at 6 o'clock, um, Chris wasn't there. 6.15, Chris wasn't there. 6.30, Chris wasn't there. And he wasn't answering his cell phone. So I'm thinking my, one of my best friends in the world is dead in a ditch somewhere because he didn't come pick me up. 7 o'clock, he's not there. 8 o'clock, he's not there. 10.30, he finally answers his cell phone. I said, Chris, where were you? And he was like, oh, me and Sammy are at so-and-so. I'm like, what do you mean you and Sammy are at so-and-so? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the other girls had to bail. 
He said, so me and Sammy just, just went and abandoned me. Like, so I've never talked to him since that. Since they abandoned me. So, so think about this for a second. I went through being worried that he wasn't coming. And then I went through a period of anger because he didn't come. And then I went through a period of feeling abandoned that he didn't show up. I mean, it was this whole thing. Now we've made up and we're friends and everything. But as I said at the beginning, that's how some of us feel in our relationship with God. Like we prayed for something and it didn't happen. Or we asked God for something that didn't happen and we got angry at him. But we don't say that we're angry at church. We say that we're working through issues. We don't say we're angry. Or maybe some of us have felt abandoned by God. And, and usually, usually when that happens, people walk away from Jesus. People turn their backs on Jesus. But one of the things that I've discovered in ministry over the past you know, 20, 25 years is people seldom walk away from Jesus because of who Jesus is. People walk away from Jesus or they get angry at God for other reasons. And if you've ever been angry at God or wondered, does he even hear me or is he even aware of my existence? Typically, Christian people will, will look down on you for thinking thoughts like that. But there's a guy in the scriptures named David. David is known as a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm chapter 22, um, verse 1 and 2, this is what David writes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Now, I'm just kind of curious how many people have ever felt like that. See, David saying, God, where are you? Oh, oh, and by the way, by the way, there's somebody else that quoted this in the New Testament. His name is Jesus. And from the cross, this is the psalm that Jesus quoted when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So let me just say this. If David, a man after God's own heart, has ever felt abandoned by God, if Jesus from the cross felt abandoned by God, then why would we think today that we would be exempt from feeling like God has turned his back on us, forgotten us, or, or is even, and call, that causes us to be confused, maybe even angry with him? So let me walk you through, if you're a note taker, I'm going to share with you four reasons, four reasons that I believe that we get angry or we feel abandoned at God. I'm, we're, going to talk, we're going to talk about four things today, four reasons that we feel like God maybe has forsaken us. Reason number one, reason number one, because God did not give us what we asked for. Because God didn't give us what we asked for. Now, when I first became a Christian, it, it was super cool. In fact, right before I became a Christian, several months, um, the the youth pastor at the church that I was attending gave me a Bible and it was a big deal. Now I had, I had a Bible, but it was a King James Bible. Does anybody in here was your first Bible was a King James Bible. Okay. Didn't understand it because, because we don't talketh that way anymore. So I, I didn't understand 
this King James, but he gave me an NIV, a new international version. And I started reading this thing and I could understand it. It was amazing. And I just couldn't put the Bible down. Now for me, that's the primary way I connect with God. I love to read the Bible. Some people love worship music. Some people love prayer. Some people love going for a walk. I love to read the scriptures. And so very early in my walk with God, I discovered, I was reading some scriptures and I, <laughs> let's just say I didn't interpret them quite the way that Jesus meant them because I found a scripture that said, Jesus said, if two or three people on earth will pray, will agree in prayer about anything, it will be done. And I was like, I've got him. That's the magic formula. All I've got to do is want something, find some idiot out there that'll come and agree with me about it. And I've got Jesus. Jesus is my genie. I've got the verse that I'm going to force him. And so and I'm not even, I'm not making this up. People always ask me, do you make these stories up? You can't make this stuff up. There was a girl in the church that I wanted to ask out. And so I found this guy <laughs> I said, listen, man, Jesus said, if I prayed and you prayed with me and we got to agree, now you got to agree. And he was like, oh man, I agree. So we prayed and we agreed that she would go out with me. Not, so next day, we, we always hung out in groups. We always would hang out in groups. And so our group, we hung out together and she was walking to her car and I was like, hey, can I walk you to your car? And she was like, yeah, sure. And on the way to the car, this is, because it's always been awkward. And, and this is how I ask her out. Hey, um, you... You like food, and I, I like food. And so I was thinking that, you know, and she interrupted me. She said, Perry, are you asking me out? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm asking you out. And she said, honey, that's never going to happen. So God's word is wrong, right? I mean, I... <laughs> By the way, by the way, I'm just going to say this, and, and I don't care if you get offended. I saw her 10 years later and thanked God that he said no. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. But, but I, I literally prayed for something, and it didn't. By the way, how many of you have ever asked God for something, and then five or 10 years down the road, you said, thank you, God, for not giving me what I wanted? Yes, yes. That guy in middle school, you can't even remember his name anymore. But at the end of the day, sometimes we pray for things, and we really do believe that we're going to get what we're asking for, and they don't come through. Now, the date illustration is true, but it's funny. But another illustration that's true, and it's not so funny, is when my mom got, when we found out my mom had cancer. Now, I want to, I promise you something. As an 11-year-old, finding out your mom has cancer, um, and they used a word that I didn't understand. It was called terminal. I didn't even know what that meant. But everybody was freaking out. My family was freaking out. I was not scared as an 11-year-old kid. You know why? Because my mom was a good person. And good things happen to good people, and bad things happen to bad people. And my mom went to church, and people in the church were praying, and the church had prayer time. In fact, there was this, there was this saint in the church. Her name was Miss Galloway. Miss Galloway was praying. If Miss Galloway was praying, then everything was going to be okay. I'm serious. I mean, she was a saint. God gave her everything she asked for. And so I wasn't worried, faith like a child, and then all of a sudden, three months after they discovered my mother had cancer, my mother died, and I was done. I was done because I asked God, because I'm going to be honest with you, I could have came up with a list of a bunch of people that God could have killed other than my mother. But <laughs> my mom died of cancer. 
And I dealt with bitterness and anger towards God because I was asking for something good. Every once in a while, I'll meet a Christian that's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And they'll say, you know, you went through a tough time, but like, aren't you glad that God took your mother? No, you freaking idiot. I'm not glad at all. My gosh, how jacked up is that question? Um, or, or even just several years ago, my father. My father, see, my mother died quickly. My dad died slowly of dementia and Alzheimer's. And I remember being the pastor of one of the largest churches in America and at the same time struggling with being angry and bitter at God. I would go see him in the nursing home and come out and put my head on the steering wheel and weep and say, God, either heal him or take him. And for years, I just saw him slowly drift away. And there's people here watching that there has been something that has happened in your past and nobody can explain it. And in fact, every time a Christian tries to explain it, it doesn't bring you closer to God. It just pushes you further away. And, and, and in some tragedies, listen, I'm convinced will never be understood this side of eternity. But one of the verses, listen, this is not a magic verse. This is not a verse that, that makes everything better. This is a verse that in times where I don't understand Jesus and what he's doing has helped me personally deal with it in the moment. And it happened the night that Jesus was, um, the night that he was crucified. The night that he was crucified, before he's crucified, he's together with the apostles and he's washing their feet. And Peter tells him, no, 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 I'm not going to allow you to do this. And this phrase by Jesus has meant so much to me. Jesus said, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. That for me is my go-to verse when I don't understand what's going on. Jesus told Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now, let me pause and kind of let you know. Later could be when we get to heaven. There's some things that happen to us that we may never understand on this side of eternity. But I'm okay with that because of who Jesus is. Ultimately knowing that somehow, some way, he really does take horrible things and uses them for good, whether we get to see it or not. Just because I don't understand what Jesus is or is not doing doesn't mean that Jesus is not good. The first reason we get angry at God, I think, is because we don't get what we want. Number two is confusion. Confusion. We get confused. Now, before I was a pastor, I was a youth pastor. Loved being a youth pastor. I would love to be a youth pastor again, but I'm 47 and not cool. But, but if I could, I, I, I love working with students because they're so energetic and they're, and they're way more honest than adults. It's, it's awesome. They haven't quite learned how to be a hypocrite yet. And I, so as a youth pastor, I used to do, we used to do youth camp. Now, if you, if you grew up in church and know anything about youth camp, the last night of youth camp, everybody promises to follow Jesus forever. Um, and it's, it's like everybody cries and they're emotional. And then um, in a youth group, there's always a breakup. 
there's always, a, there's always the youth couple, and at youth camp, they always broke up. Now, they would get back together like on Tuesday, but at, on youth camp night, they broke up because they're kind of messing around, doing some stuff they shouldn't be doing, and so they broke up. So as a youth pastor, you also had to be a relationship counselor, which that's not my strength, but anyway, I kind of had to step into that. So one night, youth camp, there's a couple, and they broke up, and when I, t- when I say it was a breakup, it was, a, it was an extreme breakup. It was a breakup where we dismissed the youth group, and it's just me and these two at the campfire, and the guy, usually it's the girl, but it wasn't the girl in this case. It was the guy is weeping. I'm not talking about crying. I'm not talking about a tear. I'm talking about weeping, and the girl is like, mm-mm, I ain't having it. That ain't working. That's not working. And I'm like, good Lord, woman. He's, I didn't say that. I was just thinking in my mind. So, so he is looking at her going, you mean it's over? And she's like, I'm done with you. He's like, you can't be done. I love you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't even know what to do. I don't, there's not, I, they don't train you for this in school. And she's like, I don't love you. And he said, you don't love me? And she said, no. He went, then go to hell. And I went, okay, listen, I am not a relationship expert. But you can't say, I love you, go to hell. That, that, that doesn't work. That does not work in any kind. There's not a greeting card that says that, you know, I love you, open it up, go to hell. Like that doesn't, that's not going to work on Valentine's Day. That's not going to work on Mother's Day. That's not going to work any time. You, those are two opposite statements. By the way, that relationship just did not work out at all. But because <laughs> it confused her, right? Do you love me or where do you want? I can't go there. This happens, though, also in our relationship with Jesus. We can confuse. And let me tell you why, where we get confused. Let me tell you where we get confused. The confusing statement with Jesus is not, I love you, go to hell. It's God is good and God is all-powerful. Because that confuses a lot of people. Because if God is all-powerful and God is good, then why did a hurricane hit the coast last week in Wilmington? If God is good and God is all-powerful, why do we have school shootings? God is good and God is all-powerful. Why are there terrorist attacks that takes, takes the lives of innocent people? God is good and God is all-powerful, then why is there so much suffering in the world? And that's a question that some people can't really, it's confusing because if God was good and all-powerful, he would just eliminate suffering. So either God is good, but he's not that powerful, or he's super powerful, but he's not that good. And people get confused because of that and because of the confusion we walk away. And I understand. I completely understand. But one of the things I want, one of the things that I've realized in reading through the scriptures is God never promised us that we would not suffer. In fact, he guaranteed we would. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. And he was saying that not to people that did not follow him, but to people who were devoted to following him. 
Jesus, there's, there's, a, there's another passage that Jesus said the night, bef- the night before he was crucified. In John chapter 16, um, verse 16, the Bible says this. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Now, don't miss this. He's talking to his disciples. They're at the Last Supper. And he's telling them, guys, there's about to come a period of time where you're not going to see me anymore. But after that, you're going to see me. Now, what he's talking about is he's going to be crucified and he's going to be put in a tomb. And at that point, they saw him no more. They didn't, a lot of them didn't even eyewitness the crucifixion because they were hiding for their lives. They hid for their lives for the next several days. And then he rises from the dead. But listen, just because the disciples did not see Jesus, did that mean that he was not at work? No. He was at work. In fact, he was at work paying for the sin of the world. So just because we don't see God working doesn't mean he isn't working. In fact, some of the times that we can't see him working is actually when he's doing his best stuff. So I understand. I understand the confusion, confusion of I'm dealing with some pain. I'm dealing because this is the question that people have asked me. Perry, why doesn't God just eliminate all the evil in the world? Well, the answer is real simple. If God decided to eliminate all the evil to, in the world today at 2 o'clock, none of us would be living at 201. God's given us the ability to choose. And we have to make a choice. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to the pain and suffering in the world, like for example, when it comes to feeding and giving water to everybody in the world, the world has enough resources right now to feed and water and give water to every human being. So maybe it's not God's fault. Maybe it's our fault at times. I, one of the people I love the most or respect the most, I've never met this man, but his name is Gary Haugen. Gary Haugen founded an organization called the International Justice Mission, and they do uh, so, social justice works. They help rescue human traffic, hu- victims of human trafficking. They do a lot of stuff. And he got the vision for doing this when he was sent to Rwanda on behalf of America to investigate the genocide that took place in Rwanda in the, in the mid-1990s. It was, it was horrific. And this quote by Gary Haugen has always, always, always stood out to me when it comes to pain and suffering in the world. This is what he said. When you are standing in a mass grave in Rwanda, the question that came to my mind was not the question that was coming to everyone else's mind, perhaps. I, I've had people ask me, where was God in the midst of all this? But I could sense, at least from Scripture, what I knew of my Heavenly Father was that I knew where God was. He was right in the middle, in the midst of all that incredible suffering. The more relevant question for me was, where are God's people? A lot of times the pain and the suffering in the world that we blame on God are really the choices of people like me and you that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God one day will take everything that's wrong and make it right. But until then, we're going to have pain and suffering in the world. And I would say that God is good and God is all powerful. And because those two realities exist, 
Bad things can happen, but it doesn't change the fact that God is still good and God is still all-powerful. Doesn't make it easy, doesn't make the hurt go away, but it's reality. Number three, the third reason that people really walk away from God is misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. I was driving Karis around. Karis is my daughter. We were driving around easily about a month ago. I took her back to my route, showed her my hometown. And, uh, and, and we pulled, she said, where did you go? Because she's in sixth grade. So she was like, where did you go to middle school? So I took her to my old middle school. We called it junior high. Um, we didn't call it middle school. We called it junior high. And um, the building's like closed and condemned now. So we pull up in front. I'm like, dear God. And um, we're sitting there looking at it. And she, and she looked at me. She said, Daddy, who was your favorite teacher in, in junior high? She got it right. And I, it, I didn't even have to think. I mean, it, it was just popped out. I, I was looking right at her room. I said, it was Miss Kay. She's like, what did Miss Kay teach? I said, math. She said, math. Because Karis and I both hate math. Um, she was like, math? And I was like, yeah. And she said, Daddy, how could a math teacher be your favorite teacher? I was like, Karis, it's real simple. She did not believe in giving homework. It's true. It's something I believe all teachers that love Jesus should believe in. They should not give homework ever. I, I, she didn't believe in giving homework. And I was like, this is the greatest. She said, she said on the opening day of class, if I can't teach you what you need to know in this class, then I shouldn't be a teacher. I'm like, you should write a book. <laughs> anyway, and so she didn't give homework. Now, she did get mad at the class one time and give us homework, and I still haven't forgot that. But other than that, now, she, and the, then she asked me, she said, Daddy, who is your least favorite teacher? And I, and I didn't have to think about that. I was like, it was Miss Johnson, seventh grade. She's like, why was Miss Johnson your least favorite teacher? I'm like, because Miss Johnson made up for the, homework that Miss K did not. Miss Johnson thought that seventh graders love literature. She thought that we love writing sentences. She loved that we, does anybody remember diagramming sentences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's satanic. So that she, she made us die. I mean, it was awful. I remember one time I was like, I'm just not doing homework anymore for Miss Johnson. But this was back during the day when the teacher would write a letter home to your parents when you didn't do your homework. And this is also back there in the day where your parents didn't get mad at the teacher for that. They got mad at you for that. And it was, so anyway, got, had a really nice parent-teacher conference with my dad and Miss Johnson. But I started thinking about why some people walk away from Jesus. It's because of a misunderstanding. They, 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 they look at God and they think, Miss Johnson, like he always wants me to do this and do this and do this and don't do this. And he's a, he's a, lot, like, he's a lot more like Miss Kay. Let me explain to you what I mean. A lot of people, when they get saved or when they become a Christian, it's kind of like, okay, now that you're in the club, let me tell you some things that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to read your Bible every day. We're going to need to start with a chapter. We're going to need to work our way up to five. In fact, if you read three chapters a day, you can read through the Bible the entire year. You're going to need to do that every year. Got that? Good. You're going to need to pray at least 30 minutes a day. We're going to try to work our way up to an hour. So you're going to read your Bible and pray every single day. If not, you're just not a good Christian. You got that? Good. Next, you're going to need to volunteer every week. Um, and the more services you volunteer, the more stars you get on your chart in heaven. Okay? Got that? And then we're going to need you to be a small group. 
You're going to need to be in a small group, and you're going to need to be in a Bible study. So we're going to do small group and Bible study. You got that? Okay. Then we're going to need 10% of your income every week, okay? You're going to have to give us 10% of your income. You're good with this so far? Awesome. Now I'm going to need to see your, I'm going to, see, I'm going to, need, I'm going to need to see your playlist on Spotify or iTunes. Oh, you got Drake? You're going to need to take that off there and replace that with some Hillsong, okay? So let's get Drake out. Let's get Hillsong in. Going to need to look at what you're watching on Netflix. Oh, there's boobies in that show, so we cannot watch that show anymore. We're going to have to take that show out. We're going to have to put it in with a Disney movie. All right, so we're going to need to replace... Oh, no, no. Wait a minute. We're boycotting Disney. We're going to take that out. We're going to put something else in. And so it's all this, okay, I can do this, but I can't do this, and I can say this, and I, but I can't say this, and I can't... And so people... I've literally had ran into people and said, I've been missing you at church. I didn't see you at church. And they're like, yeah, I just couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't do what anymore? All the stuff. What stuff? All the stuff that everybody kept telling me I had to do. I'm like... I get that. I get that. Jesus, I keep going back to these words that Jesus said because they're so awesome. Jesus came to an area of the world, Israel, that was incredibly religious. And I love, love, love what Jesus said because, listen, I don't think Christianity is that complicated. We talk about it all the time here. Just take your next step. And your next step looks different than the person sitting next to you or the person sitting down the road from you, or whatever. Everybody's next step looks different. I love what Jesus said. He was talking to a crowd of people, and he said this. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Now, let me pause. He's talking, about, he's talking to people, and he's not talking about life. Because back 2,000 years ago, they weren't wearied and burdened with what we're wearied. They didn't have traffic, okay? They didn't have the internet. They were weary and burdened from the expectations that were placed on them by the religious leaders. And Jesus said, if you're weary and burdened, and like if religion is wearing you out, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more to do. No. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, which is another word of saying, take, way of saying take my teaching. Take my teaching upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If we're not finding rest for our souls, then it's highly likely that we're involved in a lot of religious activity, but we're not actually following Jesus. Because Jesus said, if we're following him, we find rest for our souls. For my yoke, my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. So like I, this is how I like to summarize it in good old southern terms. If it ain't easy, and it ain't light, then it ain't Jesus. If it ain't easy, and it ain't light, then it ain't Jesus. Now, I know somebody's going to push back and go, what about take up your cross and follow me? Take up your cross and follow me was easy and light for the people that Jesus was saying it to. It's all about perspective. I love, I love this text right here in the message. I don't know if you've ever read the message, the paraphrase of the Bible by Eugene Peterson, but he says it this way. Look at this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Is anybody in that category? Because notice my hand is up. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take, real, take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. 
Watch how I do it. I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the Jesus that I want to follow. Last but not least, last but not least, people. A lot of people walk away from God and they get angry at God, not because of God, but because of the people of God. Um, most of us, not all of us, but most of us probably have a physical scar somewhere on the body. Anybody got a scar? I'm not going to ask you where, okay? That's most people in the room. Yeah, okay, I got a scar. I've got several. I've got a scar on my knee from when I was four. It's still there. Um, I, I, I flipped over a tricycle, hit a half a brick, and um, got 12 stitches. Amazing. Um, got, a scar, got a couple surgery scars. Um, one scar I'm thankful for because that scar, because of that scar my, saved my life. But I got a scar right here on my head. And every time I go somewhere and get my hair cut and it's somebody new, everybody always asks, did you know you have a scar on your head? And I always, I always go, no. Is there, really? Um, but I do. I know how the scar got there. I know who gave me the scar. His name is Brent. Okay, I was in third grade. I was sprinting towards the, the line to get for the bus because I wanted to get in the back seat of the bus because everybody wanted to get in the back seat of the bus. And so I'm sprinting, and Brent tripped me, and as he tripped me, I fell and slid into the corner of a brick wall, hit my head, and got to go to the hospital and get stitches. And they shaved a big spot out of my head. It was really, really affirming for a third grader. It was awesome. But I remember Brent gave me that scar, the physical scar. And if you've got a physical scar, you probably remember the details of where that scar came from. And in some instances, who gave you that particular scar? And just like we have scars physically, we have scars emotionally or spiritually. And they're just as real as the physical scars. And just like our physical scars, we know the people that gave us those emotional scars. Or we know the people that gave us those, physical, those um, emotional or spiritual scars. Maybe the person that told you you couldn't come back to church. Or maybe the person that told a friend of yours, or your brother, or your mother, that can't come back to church, or you can't come back to this church, or something's wrong. And I've, I've met so many people that walked away from Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because the people that claim they follow Jesus, a friend of mine said it this way, you ran into somebody that valued a view more than you. And anytime we value a view more than a human being, we will always wind up driving them away. I, and if that's happened to you, listen, if you've got a bad church story where you feel like you were kicked out and excluded, I get it. I get it. I understand. I'm not going to tell you it didn't happen. I'm not going to tell you to get over it. I'm not going to tell you it didn't hurt. I'm not going to tell you. I'm gonna, what I am going to tell you is we've got to keep pressing on. Period. How in the world do we press on when the pain is so real? I'm glad you ask. This is something I've been learning. Anytime something happens in the vein of pain, it takes me back to this passage in Hebrews where the author said, oops, 
It's not advancing, Ed. I think my phone, there we go. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Anytime something happens within the realm of pain and hurt and other people, it's an opportunity for you and for me just to come back and keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. If you'll notice, every bit of the scripture that I referred back to today the John passage, John 13, John 16, and Matthew 11, every one of those were the words of Jesus. At the end of the day, I know a lot of people that have turned their back on God because of confusion. I know a lot of people that have turned their back on God because of other people. I know a lot of people that have turned their back on God because they didn't get what they wanted. I know a lot of people that have turned their back on God for a lot of reasons, but I've never met anyone who turned their back on God because they got a really great view of who Jesus is. So I wrote this down just because I knew I wouldn't remember it. Um, who is Jesus to me? Who is, who is Jesus? Because we, 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 we hear about him all the time, but this is just when I begin to wrestle with pain or the confusion or the frustration... I have to come back to this, that Jesus is the one who provides hope for those who have lost hope. Jesus is the one who understands our despair, and he will meet us there. He's the one who feels our pain, knows our need, and wants what's best for us. He is our light. He is our source of strength. He has mastered life, conquered death, overcame sin, and destroyed guilt. He is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And one day he will take all the wrong and make it right. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And right now he's closer than you know. And some people may be thinking, Perry, I'm not even sure I believe in God anymore. The good news is you don't have to believe in him. He still believes in you. And he's proven it by helping us fix our eyes on Jesus. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know if you're closer to him than you've ever been, or you're really wrestling through, why, God, did you let this happen? If you're wrestling with that, go, listen, go ahead and tell him. Go ahead and tell him. We've been told in church world, don't, don't say things like that. I think God values transparency more than hypocrisy. So if you're dealing with something, it's okay to tell. It's not like you're going to surprise them. And, by the way, when we express those doubts and we can express those concerns and we express those fears, he's able to meet us there and help us take another step forward in our journey with Christ. Let's pray. Father, right now I know there are people. God, there are people watching online and this is, this is church because they would never darken the doors of a church because they've had an experience or several experiences, God, that have pushed them away. God, there are people watching right now that have turned their back on you or considered giving up on you. And God, if, God, if I knew, if we knew their story, 
we wouldn't judge them. We would probably be in the exact same place they are. But Father, I pray that right now you would speak to every person watching this message that we would know that this is not an accident. It's not an accident that we're watching, listening to this message, Jesus, and that you'll meet us in our confusion or our pain or our just misunderstanding. God, you'll meet us there and take us where we need to be. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed here in Life Spring or wherever you're watching, maybe you've really been wrestling with one of these issues the confusion. You didn't get what you wanted. What you were asking for was good. That feeling like you can't do too much. You've been hurt by someone. Maybe you've been wrestling with one of those, and that's caused you to be angry and bitter towards God. Right now, if that's in your heart, just, just express that to him in your heart. Just tell him. And ask him to help you take your next step. And maybe you're watching today, and your next step is to actually accept Jesus into your life. Jesus is the one. Listen, it's not that he delivers us from the storm. He'll deliver us through the storm. Jesus is the one that will never leave you. I've had so many people say, I'm not sure if I follow Jesus that I could do all this stuff. All he's asking us to do on a daily basis is just take a next step and follow him. So if you're here today and you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come in your life, I want to invite you to do that right now. I want you to give your life to him right now. Just pray in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I am yours. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, I receive you into my life. Take over. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life the best I know how. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer at LifeSpring, if you just put your hand up and you just put it straight up in the air, straight up right now, so people can see and celebrate with you. If you are online, if you'll do the hand raise emoji on Facebook, if you'll just let us know, or if you're on church online, if you'll just hit that hand raise button, because we want to know that you prayed to receive Christ today. And we want to celebrate with you and do anything we can to help you take your next step. Father, Thank you so much that people have received you today, um, received, your received your life so we can have life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, next week, Q&A. Once again, if you got questions and you want to go ahead and send those in, prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, at perrynoble.com. And we can, if we get a bunch in, in the realm of what we've been preaching on. Once again, I'm not talking about dinosaurs because I don't care. I don't care if they exist or not. It doesn't affect my life at all. I don't care. I don't care about dinosaurs. I don't care about aliens. I don't care about either one of those. So if you've got questions about those, just I, I don't care. Um, but, but if you've got those questions, and I want to give you a quick building update. I went by the building yesterday, and it is looking awesome. We've got some, I mean, they were painting um, they, the, the auditorium, the lights were on. It looked phenomenal. Super, super excited. And the 250K fund, Ed, I'm going to need you to probably advance that because I don't know if that's going to work. Yep, there we go. 250K fund, 176-59802. So for those of you that give every week, either to the general offering or the 250K fund, thank you so much because we're, we're kind of paying as we go. And people are like, when are we going to move in the building? When that gets to 250K. 
We'll, we'll, I, we'll, like, we got to get chairs or we're all going to stand. I guess some people would stand. We'd have more room if we stood. But for those of you that are giving every week, thank you so much for the way you're giving. It's really helping us take some steps forward. Um, we do have to get some chairs and some nursery equipment. So once again, you can, people have asked, how do I give? You can go to our website, mysecondchancechurch.com. That's mysecondchancechurch.com. Or you can mail a check um, or a money order. To Second Chance Church, 210 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. And we'll deposit that baby and put it in, the, I mean, we'll put it in the bank. Um, somebody asked recently, can I give stock? Yeah, you can give stock. What are you going to do with it? We're going to sell it because I am not a stock market manager, all right? We're going to sell it. I mean, I, I don't know what the economy is going to do tomorrow, but we will sell it. What, however you want to give um, to help us take this next step. Um, people have asked, do you have a move-in date yet? No, we don't. We don't have a move-in date, but I promise you, as soon as we have one, we'll get that information out there, and it'll be great. So there we go. Can't wait till next week, the Q&A. Love you guys. Thanks for watching today. We do believe the best is yet to come.